So how many of you still have a home phone? In other words, it's plugged into the wall and it's got a recording device. And Okay, a few of you do. You realize that eventually that's going to become obsolete. Probably if you move, you won't do that again. But uh, some of us just still have those. But back in the day, I remember when we had moved into a, our home and our, our bedroom was at the far end of the house. We had a very long hallway with a couple of bedrooms, bathrooms along the way, down this hallway, entered into the living room area, foyer area of the house, and then into the kitchen where we had one home phone number, home phone. This is before cell phones, so we didn't have a cell phone at the bed. We just had, in the kitchen, a regular phone. And being a pastor and wanting to always be available for any call in the middle of the night, and I did get a lot of calls in the middle of night, and I thought, why did I answer that? <laughs> uh, they weren't from church members and, and so forth. But uh, one night, and I was in a dead sleep, <clears throat> the phone rings. And I'm, I'm sleeping on this side of the bed, and I, I jump up, I stand on the bed, <clears throat> and my adrenaline is just going through the roof. I leap over Diana's pitch black dark. And I turned, I just turned after I jumped, landed on the floor, turned, and we've got this long hallway, and I ran as fast as I could down the hallway to get the phone. <clears throat> and I didn't realize that our bedroom door was shut. <clears throat> and it shook the whole house. It's kaboom! And I was back about 10 feet on the floor, almost knocked unconscious. And, of course, Diane's, what in the world? <laughs> I have no idea. It may have been you, one of you, that were calling me <clears throat> years ago. You may have had a similar experience when you're trying to walk in the dark. And maybe staying in a hotel room in an unfamiliar place, and you don't want to wake anyone up, you don't want to turn the light on, and you wish you would have turned the light on. Because you stubbed a toe, banged your knee, knocked your head, uh, I think all of us have stories about what can happen when we try to walk in the dark. Now, that's in a practical sense. The text that we're going to look at this morning, the challenge is from John to us, is that we learn to walk in the light. Walk in the light. It is probably at least as important spiritually for us that we learn what it means to walk in the light. And so we're going to read this text, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, typically, when I'll read a text like this, I'll start asking myself,
questions of what does this mean. And this morning I'd like to do that, just a few questions about this text of what this means to us to walk in the light. What does it mean to walk in the light? When we think of light, in verse 5 it says that, that uh, God is light. We also read in Scripture that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We read that the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with Him. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So if God is light, dwells in light, the Scriptures describe it that God dwells in unapproachable light. This is where God dwells. If we have fellowship with Him, we need to live in the light and walk in the light. Now this purification from sin. For those of us who are Christians, we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. We have believed upon him. The part of our salvation is that once you receive Christ as your Savior, believe upon him, he washes away all of your sins. It's called justification. And instantaneously, God makes you holy. He makes you pure. He justifies you. There's another way that we see salvation in, in the end is that when, when we're in heaven, we call this glorification, when we're, we're absent from all the, all the presence of sin. In heaven, there is no darkness, there is no sin, and we look forward to that. So the past, we've been saved. The future, we will be saved in the sense of out of this sinful world. But in the present, today, in the walk, how we live, we are being saved, and his blood is washing away our sins. Jesus illustrated this when he was talking about the foot washing in John chapter 3, and, and he said to Peter, he said, I'm going to wash your feet. And he said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And he said, I have to wash your feet. He said, then wash my whole body. He said, your whole body doesn't need to be washed, for you're clean. In other words, justified, you're one of mine, but day to day, Moment by moment, as we walk through life, we tend to soil our lives with sin. If I were to ask you this morning, do you have a problem with sin? Now, you don't want to say, oh, yeah, I have a problem with sin. But we all have a problem with sin, don't we? The reality is every day we struggle with sin. So this passage says if we say that we have no sin, we're only deceiving ourselves. And we're really calling God a liar. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. The Christian, if he wants to have intimate, close <clears throat> fellowship with God, to walk with him, to be in union with him, must learn to walk in the light. When we think of darkness, we think of apart from God, not walking with God, not walking in harmony with God, not walking in obedience to God. Walking in darkness would be walking in sin, sinfulness. Is it possible, <clears throat> I think, <clears throat> excuse me, is it possible for a Christian to be saved? They're on their way to heaven. They know that. But they're completely destroying their life by sin. I believe that's possible. I see that happen. You look back and say, well, I'm on my way to heaven. That's good enough. But God wants so much more for us. He wants for us to walk in a sweet fellowship and union with him day by day 
is how he describes walking in the light. So here's a second question. What happens when we don't walk in the light? In other words, let's say we kind of drift away from God. Some people use the word backslidden. Uh, I don't know that any one of us would ever define ourselves as backslidden. Maybe we would. But let's say we get a little bit careless about our lives. We let sin become a pattern. We let Satan have his way. We allow things to get to us. As a believer, who I am on my way to heaven, I continue in sin. What is the effect? And I just listed, and I won't go through these in, in great detail, but what is the effect? What happens when I'm not walking in the light? Well, I sin. I sin. I'm going to sin. And that sin, one, it grieves the heart of God. I don't know growing up if there's anything that would bother me more than if I disappointed my dad. I don't know about you, but I just did not want to disappoint my dad. But God is grieved when we sin. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, talks about how that our sin grieves the Spirit of God. It also disrupts our fellowship with God. In 1 John 1, 6, it says here that we have no fellowship because God dwells in light. And if we walk in darkness, it disrupts the fellowship. It hinders our prayers. Have you ever felt like, you know what, I feel like I pray and pray and pray and God doesn't hear. I feel like the... It's like brass, like gates. I I feel like I can't even pray anymore. Well, the Bible says if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He speaks about uh, our prayers being hindered in 1 Peter chapter 3. When we live in sin or, or continue in sin, walk in darkness, it retards our spiritual growth. You're not going to grow, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It quenches the work of the Spirit in us. It tramples the blood of Christ. You you think, well, what do you mean by trampling the blood of Christ? I know this, that my sins have been washed away and paid for, but every time with my hands or my eyes or my mouth or my heart, I sin. I should stop and think about the crucified Savior hanging upon a cross who died for that sin. And we make light By living carelessly, we make light of the sacrifice that Christ has made. Sin soils the garments of our witness. Because as believers, we are to represent God, to represent Christ, to represent truth, to represent joy. But when we sin, we soil the garments of that witness. Our sin defiles those around us and leads others astray. Our sin plays into the work of the devil. Our sin deceives us. Call it self-deception. Our sin blinds us to truth, 1 John chapter 2, and our sin will rob us of the joy of our salvation. Most of us that study have studied the life of David, who slew Goliath and was king, uh, know of his sin of adultery and of murder. And his repentance and restoration is described in two of the Psalms, Psalm 32 in Psalm 51. And in Psalm 32, he talks about how before he confessed his sin, he was torn up inside, and he felt God's hand heavy upon him. And I know this, that the the way that we're made, 
<clears throat> when we're out of fellowship with God, when we're not walking in the light and we're continuing to sin, we are miserable people. We are miserable people. I'll tell people, I said, sometimes that's a good way to, to realize you are a Christian because a person who doesn't know Christ, doesn't know God, doesn't know the way of eternal life will sin and they're not going to be miserable about it. That's, that's what they do. But as a believer, your life, when you are out of fellowship with Him, not walking with Him, not walking in the Spirit, not walking in the light, are going to be miserable. So you say, well, does sin do all of that? All that affects, estranges you from God? You're not seeing Him work in your life? You're not growing? You're not really seeing the joy come in your life? It's all of that. But I think another question to ask is, in what ways are we not walking in the light? In what ways do you not walk in the light? And when I, when I thought of this in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. What do you think of when someone says, have you sinned? Well, typically, and I'll just tell you the way that I think, I think, well, have I sinned today? Well, lying, cheating, stealing, committing murder, committing adultery, taking God's name in vain. I think I'll name a lot of sins that I haven't done today. And I think that's the way the devil plays on my mind. You know what? There are a lot of sins that I haven't done. And I can say, you know what? For the last 40 years since God's called me to ministry, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't robbed a bank. Uh, I, I could list a whole, I haven't gotten drunk. I, I, I could list a whole lot of things I haven't done and start to feel pretty good about myself. And I'll tell you how this message came about. It's not because you needed it. <laughs> Some people say, you've got to figure out what those people of Valley really need and give it to them. <clears throat> this message, as typical with me, is what God began convicting your pastor about. That I was not, I was not as sensitive to sin as I needed to be in my life. Now, I know it may shock some of you to hear that your pastor sins. So get over it, okay? How often do I sin? I sin every day, okay? So I'm a sinner speaking to sinners. Now, God doesn't call me that. He calls me a child of Him, but I know that that, that is a struggle I have every day. Now, if I categorize sins as murder, robbing a bank, uh, taking God's name in vain, or I could, I could pick a whole lot of things that I don't do and feel really good about myself, but I'm not in fellowship with God. Because I'm still sinning. Here are the kind of sins that I tend to commit. The sin of unbelief. Not believing God. Well, you don't believe in God? Of course I believe in God. I'll say I believe in God. But every time I worry, I don't believe in God. I don't believe God. If I worry... I'm not believing God. Let me ask you a question. Is it a sin to worry? And I know we'd love to say, no, it's not. Just be concerned about it. I'm praying about this. I have a burden. There's a lot of ways you can spiritualize your worry. Worry, fear, anxiety. 
So when I'm all torn up with worry in my life, what is it about God I'm not believing? Do I believe he's not powerful enough? He's not good enough? He's not kind enough? He's not engaged enough? He's not knowledgeable enough? What is it? The most common, the the most frequent command in all of Scripture is fear not. So in other words, don't worry. Read Matthew chapter 6. Why do you worry? Why do you worry? Now, I'd say this, that every single person here will struggle with this. And it's sin. Okay? And all the things that I said, it blocks your fellowship with God. It, It hinders your growth spiritually when you get into the Word. It affects other people. It robs you of your joy. All the things that I said, the impact of sin upon your life happens when you worry. Another thing we do is we complain. When's the last time you complained? Is complaining sin? Yes, in case you're wondering. Do I complain? Yes. So when I complain or I criticize, I'm sinning. I'm sinning at least against God, and I'm probably sinning against someone else, right? But I can go along and say, you know what, I didn't, didn't murder anybody today, didn't smoke pot, didn't get drunk, didn't, didn't do any of those really horrible things, those sins, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And see, most Christians, they, they, they're lulled into this idea, this false idea, you know what, I, I live a pretty good life. And we, we've become calloused and insensitive to what God has called sin. And sin robs us of our joy. It robs us of our peace. It divides our homes and relationships and, and causes conflict in our marriages. It keeps us from being able to grow and to pray. So sins of unbelief, worry, fear, anxiety, complaining, criticizing, Matthew chapter 6, Philippians chapter 4, a great text to, to, that expose that. But there are also sins of commission, like this, anger. Anger. You say, well, be angry and sin not. <laughs> oh, it's right, I had righteous indignation. You know, sometimes I wonder if I've ever really had any kind of anger that was pure, Honestly. I mean, I'd love to be able to say to you, every time I've been angry, it's just been a holy, righteous indignation. No, I think it's always been tainted with my flesh. I think God can have holy, righteous anger. But you know, when you, when you get that look in your eyes, and, or you, you say those words, or you respond in anger, you sin against God, you sin against people. What about pride? You're lifted up, self-confidence. What about selfishness, self-centeredness? It shows up in the home more quickly than any other place. Greed, ingratitude. Have you been unthankful? Here's one, rude. Has anyone here been rude this past week? (laughs) When, When the Scriptures tell us be kind one to another, tenderhearted, that's a command. So when you're not kind and you're rude, you're sinning. You're sinning against God. 
needs to be made right. You're sinning against people. needs to be made right. Gossip. Dishonoring others. Favoritism. Evil thoughts. Lust. Jealousy. Envy. Bitterness. And so many of these things we excuse by saying, well, that's just my personality. Have you heard someone say, you know what, I just, I just speak my mind. That's a sorry excuse. But, but you know what? We all have excuses for everything we do, especially our pet sins. We find a way to, whether it's righteous indignation or I'm just speaking my mind or I'm just being transparent. That's an ugly one. I don't want you to be transparent. Personal sins. And typically, for each of us, there's certain ones that we struggle with. I'm going to struggle with things you may not struggle with. You may struggle with things that I don't struggle with. But the typical sins that we categorize, you know, well, the drinking, smoking, going to movies, dancing, all those things are, are, are not what Jesus speaks about. He speaks about the ones of the heart and the ones of the tongue, the ones of the mind. So there are sins that we commit in that way, sins of omission. So the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. What do you think that means in the Greek? <laughs> it means rejoice always. It says pray about everything. So in other words, when, I, when I'm not rejoicing, and that's not just a, a happiness, a giddy happiness. It is a deep-seated contentment of giving, of giving thanks to God, rejoicing in who God is. But when I'm not rejoicing, when I'm not praying, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in every circumstance. Well, that's, that, I'll tell you right there, that's one of my big failures. Because there are a lot of circumstances I can give thanks, but there are some situations that come my way that I really don't give thanks. Now, here's my point. It's sin. When I don't give thanks, I sin. When I don't rejoice, I sin. When I'm not praying about everything, I sin. Sin, as we would define it, is anything that falls short of God's glory. Anything that grieves his heart, anything that offends his perfection, anything that is either committing against what he's commanded or not doing what he has commanded for us to do. He says, love your neighbor. It's a sin if we don't. Love your enemies. It's a sin if we don't. Continue in my word. It's a sin if we don't. Don't forsake assembling together with believers. Did you know that we're commanded to meet together as believers? Now, when we just say, I don't need that, or I don't do that, or I don't read my Bible, or I don't pray, or I don't, I don't minister to the body, all of these are going against what God has called us to do. And here's one last one, by not doing what we know we ought to do. James 4.17 says that to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. In other words, you know in your heart what you ought to do, and you know what's right to do, and you don't do it. It's sin. So what happens? I've already kind of gone over that. All of the effects upon the life. Now, this sermon is not to beat you over the head. In fact, I've, I thought, oh, boy, I'm going to preach on sin. 
But what I'm trying to show you is how sin really robs us of our joy. And it robs us of our peace. And it robs us of our spiritual growth. And it robs us of our effectiveness in life. God wants to bless us by walking in fellowship and walking in the light with Him. And every time we sin, it sets us back. So to me, this is a marvelous message. And it's a very simple response. When I, so I end by asking the question, how do I get back to walking in the light? It's very simple. Realize this, that every day you sin. Every day you sin. Every day. You have a bad thought. You're not kind. You're rude. You don't do the right thing. Every day we sin. Be quick to have that relationship restored. That, that's my point. It doesn't affect your salvation, but it affects your joy and it affects your life. There's nothing that Satan can do to take away your salvation and your eternal life. But he sure wants to make you miserable while you live here. And the way he makes you miserable is to have you walking in darkness. And when we're walking in darkness without the light, we're banging into things, bumping into things, and, and we have destructive behavior. Here's what he says in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How quickly does he forgive you? Instantly. It's reconciled. Now, this isn't the forgiveness to be saved again because you're already saved. But I know this, that if I've got, if there's something between Diane and me, if we've got a tension in our marriage, we're not less married, are we? It doesn't affect that, but it does affect how we're getting along. It does affect our, our joy, our happiness, our, our, the time we have together. And God wants more than just you to have fire insurance, not go to hell, be saved. He wants to enjoy the fellowship with you. And sin blocks that. So acknowledge the fact that God is light, that Christ is the light of the world, that the Word of God is the light that guides your path. So for me, the most important thing is daily being in God's Word because it's like a, a, like a bright... You ever see those floodlights? And exposes a lot of stuff in my life. But... You know, we could always dim the lights, say, you know what, we got to, we'd either clean the house or dim the lights. <laughs> and I think most of us live in enough darkness where it doesn't bother us. The brighter the light shines, the more it exposes the things that can be purged out of your life. And when God is removing those and cleansing those out, your life becomes full of joy and peace. Relationships are right. You're growing as a believer. Your prayers are being answered. So acknowledge the light. Confess your sins. You know, confess means to call it what God calls it. I name it what, how God names it. And I say, Lord, I know. And, you know, it doesn't take long to say, you know what, Lord, I just blew it. I just blew it. I was unkind to my wife. If I'm unkind to my wife, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against my wife. Go make it right. You make it right, <laughs> that's restored. So, confession and repentance. Repentance is changing your mind. It, it's, it's, 
kind of a reset. It's, it's a reset. Repentance and confession and, and kind of the spiritual reset of I'm going to obey God should be happening all day long. Not like once a week you go to confession. Are you with me? The brighter the light shines from God's Word in your life, the more you see things, the more you repent, the more you confess, the more you thank God, the more you respond in obedience. And I'll tell you how, why I'm preaching this message is because I think over time I started feeling pretty good about how I'm living my life. And I think I've lost a little bit of the sensitivity to the work of the Holy Spirit shining light on things in my life that God's not pleased with. All the big ticket items, I can say I'm clear of, but many of these others I haven't. And the Word exposes those, and the Word calls me into obedience. And so I find that today that every time I'm reading my Bible, I'm confessing my sins. (laughs) And throughout the day, in making things right. My prayer is this, that that not only as a believer you look forward to going to heaven someday, but that you can have the joy and the peace of walking in the light, walking in the fellowship with your Savior, enjoying His presence, and enjoying the unity with other believers. But the only way to, to do that is by walking in the light. So here is the good news. Christ is right here. He is quick to forgive. He is quick to restore the fellowship that he's designed for your life. You remember the statement that David made in Psalm 51? He said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Why had David lost his joy? It's because he'd sinned. Okay, but we're going to do that. But he, he didn't get it right, and he went for a long period of time, probably a year, without repentance. And it just started eating him up inside. So my prayer is that God gives us greater sensitivity to walk in the light, to realize how quickly God forgives, how quickly God restores, how quickly God brings a joy back into our lives as we walk in the light. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And even though the briefly looking at it this morning just challenges us to have greater sensitivity to the things that are contrary to light and truth and unity and fellowship with you. Father, I pray that that while we may experience some heartache when we're convicted by our sin, I pray you'd quickly turn that to joy and thanksgiving by your forgiveness and your restoration that is fresh and new every day. Lord, I pray that repentance and confession and obedience might become a way of life for us every day and that we might, more than anything else, desire to walk in the light with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.